Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. Who's been enjoying school holidays? Who really doesn't care? Yeah, a whole heap of people. All the people with hands up, you don't have small children. So that's, I saw that right then. You don't have small kids, so it doesn't really matter to you. Uh, but for, for me uh, and, and for Sarah, we have uh, small children, which means that they're home all week. And far from being disappointed with that, I love it. I'm serious. We, in my house, and you need to know this, and this is the rite of passage for all fathers, it is like WrestleMania um, every single night. I'm not even kidding. It's like UFC breaks out into our uh, living room, and, and we, we play these different games and, and, and wrestle them. And I have realized, of course, that wrestling children right before you put them to bed is a terrible idea because they are so pumped up. They're so excited. And to try to get them to calm down and go back to sleep is an absolute nightmare. So what we did is we, and they always stay up late on holidays. So what we do is we have this crazy wrestle time that we have, and then they need a space to to just relax and to chill out. And uh, we have Netflix, we have this uh, documentary series by David Attenborough. And so he, he, he did this series on uh, uh, micro monsters. And I don't know if you've ever heard of it or seen it. It's called Micro Monsters. If you have Netflix, do yourself a favor and go and watch it. I mean, it, it's, it's about these bugs and these little insects. And they go for about 20 minutes, which is enough time for them to relax and chill out. But I'm sitting down and I'm watching this micro monsters uh, with the kids. And I'm telling you, some of the bugs out there that we have in this world are scary. They are crazy. Like most of them live in Australia, you know, and, and, and that should freak you out, you know. And, and I'm looking at some of these bugs and they had this whole episode on bugs that, that, that camouflage themselves and, and, they, and they hide, you know. And so the, the camera is zooming in on this stick and it's just a stick until it grows legs and suddenly it's not a stick it's a bug you know and then they have a a, a a bug that looks like a leaf only it's not a leaf it's a bug and when it starts to walk you know that's you know it kind of you're like oh my gosh I mean creation is just amazing isn't it you know and I'm looking at some of these insects the way that they hide and here is the thing that they do they they hide in plain sight and they do that so that the predators won't that you know get them and and, and eat them and so forth and and so now knowing what what to look for. I'm watching these episodes and now I know what a, 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 a stick insect, you know, is how it's hiding and I know what a, a, a leafy bug is doing. And, and so now I look at it and I say, ah, I can see it. But you've got to know what to look for. And I thought divine opportunities are so often like those bugs that hide in plain sight. I think divine opportunities hide in plain sight all the time. And if you don't know what to look for, it could be very possible for you that divine opportunities are coming across your path, maybe on a daily basis, maybe on a weekly basis, but there are divine opportunities that are coming across your path. And if you don't know how to find them, if you don't know what to look for, you're going to miss them. I want to read a scripture to you today. It comes out of... Second uh, Corinthians, it says this in chapter 6 and verse 1. Working together with Him. Isn't it great that we work together with Jesus? He doesn't make us do it on our own. 
Working together with him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time, I listened to you. And in a day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance, get ready, in afflictions, hardships, calamities. Don't you just hate it when a calamity breaks out in your life? It's a word I often use. Beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God with weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise. We are treated as imposters and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold, we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. We have spoken to you freely, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children, widen your hearts also. I want to preach a message to you today, finding favor, finding favor. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you, God, that today we get to stand in your grace. We thank you that you love us. We thank you for, for Jesus, that he was sent to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. And as a result, we get to live in relationship with you. We thank you for your word. And I pray, God, that by your word, as we look at it today, that we would be transformed by what we hear. And I pray we walk out, we'd be totally changed. I pray this week for so many people here that today people are going to walk out encouraged. They're going to walk out and they're going to relook at some circumstances that have been happening in their life and they're going to see, God, that your favor is all over them. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you're new and you haven't been at Activate Church since the beginning of the year, then you may have missed something about this year. We themed this year Dream Again. And the reason that we themed it Dream Again was simply because God gave me a word last year. I believed that that word was for our church as a, as a corporate church for all of us. And I believe that that word was also for individuals, for people that are sitting in our church. And the reason that God had given me this scripture and, and we themed this year dream again is because I really believed that there are people that have had dreams that have been in their heart, things that they've been wanting to do. I believe that as a church, there are things that have been written in our future, but not realized in our present. And as a direct result, when you have enough of those circumstances and they start to build up, you can begin to get discouraged. And I believe that what God was calling us to do as a church is to sort of go deep in terms of our faith and to realize that He is always for us. It's time to dream again. It's time to uh, think again about how God is able to move in our lives. When you hit the ceiling enough times, you start to think that that's your limit. But I've discovered something to be true about God is that He breaks through the ceiling. And I believe that He's not only able to do that in our church, I believe He's able to do that in your individual lives. And so what I want people to do this year, and not just this year, but perhaps every year, is to go ahead and Take some of those dreams that God had placed in your heart and begin to take them off the shelf. 
to begin to blow the cobwebs off those things, the seeds that God has planted in your heart, and to relook at something that He'd spoken to you about and say, this is the season that I'm going to take that off the shelf. You know, oftentimes in church, sometimes people will say, well, you know, just shelve it and shelve that dream and shelve it. It's like sometimes I honestly believe our shelves would be so full if we just kept shelving everything that we thought we weren't truly ready for or the stuff that we didn't believe that we could have. But I think sometimes what we've got to do is look at the God who says, I'm able to do all things and then just blow the dust and the cobwebs off those dreams and start to relook at what God has planted in our hearts. I wonder what dreams are in your heart that just haven't been realized. It may be a dream for your marriage. It might be a dream for some ministry. There's all kinds of dreams that can be in your heart. I wonder what was in your heart that just for whatever reason it wasn't realized. I wonder why it didn't come together for you. Was it a lack of resources? Was it a lack of understanding? Perhaps all it is was simply just timing. Uh, you know, oftentimes in church, we pray to, to, to Jesus and we ask him for things. Who's ever asked Jesus for anything? All right. Now, leave your hands up if you've been made to wait for that thing you prayed for. All right. So we're all there together. And then some Christian person comes along and they say, while you're in that midst of begging Jesus to answer your prayer, and they go, well, brother, delay is in denial. And you're like, I'm going to hit you because that, that is the least encouraging. I don't need to hear that kind of thing right now. I'm well accustomed to denial, okay? I, delay isn't denial. But you know what I think is really funny? <laughs> we do the same thing with Jesus. Jesus comes and he puts a dream in your heart. And you look at that dream and you say, yeah, I'm going to get to that, but not right now. The timing's not right. And I feel like oftentimes we're saying to Jesus, well, Jesus, yeah, I am serious about that. You know, hey, Jesus, brother, delay isn't denial. I mean, I am going to do it. I'm going to go after it. And sometimes we delay those things that God has spoken to us because we're trying to figure out when is the right time that I'm supposed to make that change. And it's almost as if, if we could just figure, figure out when the timing was right, if we could figure out when the planets would align, if we could figure out when the, the perfect conditions would all fall into place, it would be then at that time, that would be the time that we would step out from wherever we are and begin to pursue the things that God had spoken to us. And in the passage that we read today, let me give you the context. Paul is writing to the Corinthians, and not all the Corinthians in this particular part of his letter, but to some of the Corinthians who are delaying making a decision to follow Jesus. See, right before the passage that we read, Paul's gone into great detail about how Christian people have the ministry of reconciliation. Our ministry is really to help reconcile people in their relationship back to God. And that's the very thing that he's trying to do. And he's coming to them and he's saying to them, you need to be reconciled. You need to have a relationship with Jesus. And they're being completely standoffish about it. They're saying, ah, oh, look, we don't know if you know, we're ready to make that kind of commitment. They're delaying some good and positive changes that they're supposed to make in their life. And part of the reason is they're really not sure who Paul is. 
They're saying, well, are you the real deal? Are you authentic? We don't know if we can really trust you, Paul. And so Paul, in in an attempt to try to uh, show people that he understands the Scriptures, he he says that one line that we uh, read where he says, uh, you know, in a favourable time, I listened to you. In In a day of salvation, I have helped you. And he's quoting what God said to the prophet Isaiah, demonstrating his ability to understand some of the foundations of Scriptures. And he's saying, guys, I am the real deal. You know, and he talks to them about this favorable time. For me, I think, isn't it amazing how when we've got seeds and things that are planted in our hearts, opportunities to respond, just like the Corinthians, we can be waiting for that favorable timing too. And it's almost as if, if we could just find that right time, then we would make that decision. Jesus, I would pursue the call that's on my life. I would step into ministry and quit my job. I would start that business. I would do all those things if I just understood the right timing. But when it comes to understanding the favorable time, you need to know what to look for. Otherwise, you're gonna miss it. So let me just explain to you what the word favor means. Favor means the acceptable time. And that word does not sound very encouraging. It's acceptable. It is the acceptable time. I'm not gonna step out in an acceptable time, but let me tell you what the meaning of that word is. Let's go to the next slide. The most blessed time. When salvation and the free favours of God profusely abound. That is so much more encouraging than acceptable. I don't know why they didn't just write that in. The most blessed time. The most. The most blessed time. Out of all the time, this is the most blessed time. When the salvation and the free favors of God, free favors of God, they're not just showing up every now and then, they profusely abound. Oh man, I don't know about you, I wanna find the favorable time. I wanna know when this is, because if I know when this is, I can start to step out and begin to pursue the dreams and blow the cobwebs off and the dust off and say, ah, now is the favorable time. I'm gonna do it in the right time. If you're trying to find favor, do you know what the favorable time really looks like? The favorable time is possible that it is hiding in plain sight. And it's so obvious, but because you're looking for the wrong thing, you don't in fact step out. In fact, you just continue to wait. Perhaps you're here today and you have, you're not a Christian, you got dragged along to church today but you've been coming for a couple of weeks now and you've been waiting for the right time to make a decision to follow Jesus. Just, I'm not sure if this is my week. I'm gonna do it soon. Not this week, maybe next week. I've spoken to lots of people that approach the right time like that. They keep coming to church looking for that right time, that right opportunity. Perhaps it's about starting a business, the favorable time, the right time. You've been delaying starting a business or delaying going into ministry or delaying making some positive change in your life that you know you're supposed to make. But let me tell you what the favorable time isn't. The favorable time is not waiting for the perfect conditions. Favorable time is not waiting for the perfect conditions. When Sarah and I went 
on our holiday most recently, we were up uh, in, in Queensland. All these fit people just making me feel lazy. You know, they're running up and down the beach every morning. You know, I watched them from my balcony. I was inspired. Didn't run, but I was inspired. You know? and, I'm, and I'm watching them and I think to myself, I need to start running again. And I understand uh, that when I leave beautiful sunshine, normal, like comfortable temperature, I'm going back to Melbourne, okay? And I know what it's like when you have to wake up, you know, at six in, in the morning. So understanding this, I bought myself like this running jacket. It's like this lightweight running jacket to prepare for it. And uh, I, I had the jacket, I've got the shoes, I've done all the preparation, I'm ready. Now, all that's left to do is actually run. And so the alarm goes off in, in the morning and I wake up and I look outside and I was thinking about running, but the conditions weren't quite right because it was raining, but that's Melbourne. And the next morning I set the alarm and I, and I opened the curtains, but the conditions aren't quite right because it's completely freezing because it's Melbourne. And the conditions never really seem to be right. And if you're always waiting for the conditions to be perfect before you decide to start doing what God has spoken to you, let me tell you something. You are going to be waiting for such a long time. You're going to wait for such a long time unless you decide to just start to move forwards in spite of it. Now, I'm going to tell you what the favorable time is according to what the prophet Isaiah said. Are you ready for this? No, you're not. Mel is. Some of you aren't. Are you ready for this? Here's what the favorable time means. You have the opportunity to act with the certainty that God will help you. You have the opportunity to act and you are certain that God is going to help you. That's essentially what the prophet Isaiah said. He said, in a day of salvation, I have helped you. Can I tell you something about the day of salvation? That day has both been and gone. It's squared away in history. And when Jesus came and he died on the cross for your sins, he secured permanently the day of favor over your life. It's not as elusive as you might think. In fact, this is what Jesus accomplished. When he went and died on the cross and paid the penalty for people's sin, he took all of your sin, all of the wrong things that you've done, the mistakes that you've made, every failure that you've had, and he nailed it to the cross. But the most amazing thing that he did is he went and took his perfect life and he, they, then he placed it on you. If you're a Christian, he's essentially placed his perfect life on yours. You know, don't you read the Bible sometimes and you see Jesus do amazing things and you think, yeah, of course, because the favor of God was just all over him. Well, what if I told you today that the favor of God that was on him has now been transferred to you by an act of his righteousness? It says, the Bible says that we have been justified. Justified doesn't mean that you've only been forgiven. That's just a big Christian word that means you are forgiven, but also his righteousness is upon you. And now, since his righteousness is upon you, the favor of God that was on Jesus has been transferred for you. I'm telling you, the favor of God is on you. Now, I used to work for this boss who was deeply emotional and and. This guy, I mean, every day you would walk in and say, is this the day this guy is going to blow his stack or is he going to seriously like flip out at everyone today 
Or is he going to be relaxed? Is he going to be okay? And you just never knew. So every time that you uh, went into work, you just prepared yourself for the day that lies ahead. I don't know what's going to happen today. We'll just have to wait and see what kind of mood that he's in. Every day I wake up never feeling like that about my relationship with Jesus. I never have to wake up and say, Jesus, do you love me today? Because I know I messed up yesterday. I know I said things or whatever. I, I never have to think about that. I wake up every day and I say, Jesus, you are amazing. I thank you, God, that you love me. I thank you, God, that you're for me. I thank you, God, that you made a promise to me that you'll never leave me, that you'll never forsake me. I know there's been times when I've tried to leave you, but I know that as you know, I stand here today that you're never gonna leave me. I thank you, God, that your favour yeah. is upon me today. Yeah. And I can start every day not worrying about whether my God in heaven is an emotional mess and whether He's gonna flip out at me. I have favour on my life every day. It's my address, it's where I live. I'm hearing the words that are coming out of my mouth and I think it's amazing. Now you think it's amazing, right? And as amazing as that might actually be, the Corinthians, they weren't able to access it. They weren't able to have that. And they weren't able to have it because they didn't understand what favour looked like. You see, the Apostle Paul, his life was marred by all manner of things that would come upon him. In fact, why don't we just go to that next slide and have a look. It's Paul writing here and he says, But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, and hunger. And the Corinthians, they saw that life that Paul lived. And essentially, the reason they delayed making the right decision and pursuing the opportunity, divine opportunity to start a relationship with Jesus is they looked at the apostle Paul and they said, there is no way that you actually know God. There is no way you have a relationship with Him. Because when we look at your life, Paul, we see all manner of things that, is, that are in your life. Paul, are you even aware of your own circumstances? And what they said was, there is no way that you can have a relationship with God because if you loved Him and He loved you as you say He does, there is no way you would live that kind of life. These things would never happen to you. In fact, if you, Paul, were in fact a Christian, your life would be void of all strife and manner of things. The favour of God would be upon you and you could just cruise through life. You would be rich and you would have all manner of things and there would never be times when you would be hungry, calamities, beatings. God would show up and protect you every time. There's no way that you could have favour on your life. In fact, Paul, we think you could be a faker. You're, 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 you're a fake, Paul. You're not, the, you're not the real thing. You're not authentic. In fact, oh, maybe, maybe the reason these things, the calamities, the beatings, maybe these things are in your life because 
there is some secret sin in your life that no one knows about. Maybe it's because God is actually punishing you for doing something wrong and He's punishing you public. You think that sounds crazy, but there have been so many sort of churches and leaders and different people that are scrambling to try to find why bad circumstances happen to people and have arrived at that same reason. And when the truth is, is that that's not true, that can't be true at all. The Corinthians delayed being Christians because they had the wrong expectation of favour. The wrong expectation of favour. Do you know something that I have discovered has taken out more Christians and averted people from the gospel, you know, and, and, and destroyed people's faith has been when people have a false sense of entitlement. When people believe they're entitled to a life that they don't get. And when they don't get the life that they wanted when they signed up for their relationship with Jesus, do you know what happens to people? Offense creeps into their heart offense with God. And they start to say, God, I, I signed up for this wonderful, fatherly, loving relationship with you. And instead of that, I got hardships, I got calamities, I got my marriage in strife, I got my business failing, I've got relationship issues with my brothers and my sisters. Everywhere I go, there is a battle that I'm facing right now. And that is not what I signed up for. I thought I was getting the favour of God when I signed up for a relationship, but I don't seem to have that at all. They misunderstand what favor actually is. That's like, imagine this. Are you, are you aware of what I mean when I say the UFC? Does that term go over your head or are you familiar with what that is? It's like, imagine just fighting in a ring, okay? UFC fighter gets into the ring. He's been training months, months for this fight. And right before he's, he, he, he gets in the ring, he's ready to go. Right before he gets in the ring, his trainer leans across and he whispers something to him and he pulls out of the fight. I don't want anything to do with it. I'm, I'm walking away. People are frustrated, disappointed. They want their money back for their tickets. And in the uh, press conference post the fight that never take place, someone says, what did your trainer say to you that made you decide that you were going to uh, just quit and walk away and... and, and and not go into the fight. He says, well, he told me that, that my opponent plans to hit back. I was horrified about that. So I'm not, I'm not signing up for this. He said, well, you, must, you must be a complete idiot. That, 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 that's crazy. Isn't that what you have been training for? How many Christians do you know that when the enemy starts to hit back, they say, that's it, I'm out. Because I didn't sign up for this. You've got to know something. When you start to pursue the things that God has placed in your life, your opponent is not in your corner wishing you the best, cheering you on. The devil's not going, I really hope you get some people saved at church today. That would be so great. Yes, I'm happy to lose them to you. That would be wonderful. He's not saying that stuff. You've got to understand that when you begin to engage in the things that God has called you to do, the enemy is going to try to hit back. Now, let me tell you something about that. Yeah, weapons are going to be formed against you, but they ain't going to prosper. Do you know you have battles in your life just so that they can be overcome? And isn't that more encouraging than the person that just breezes through life and never has a worry in the world? 
the millionaire that tells me he has no financial issues is the least encouraging person to me. The person who started and has had to claw their way through and practice stewardship and has had hardships and challenges come towards their business but has continued to rise victorious, I want to listen to that guy. Sometimes you're that guy. You are the person that God has put out wherever you are right now and He has put you in that place to overcome some victories and some battles so that you can stand in a position of encouragement and say, He can do all things. You understand that? Battles are in your way for you to roll over them. What did Jesus say? He said, you will have trouble and tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I had a friend of mine who I caught up with recently, and he had made a decision to follow Jesus years ago, and then he essentially quit Jesus. He walked away from his relationship with God. And I spoke to him and I said, um, why did you, uh, why were you so passionate? And what, just tell me what happened. What happened with your story? And this is a true conversation that took place in the last four weeks. He said, well, when I signed up, when I decided to become a Christian, I believed that all my problems would be solved. And I discovered that that wasn't true. And as a result of that, he became frustrated, he became disillusioned, and he said, I don't want anything to do with this. I said, well, you never heard that from me. I would never tell you that. When you become a Christian, some and the biggest and most pressing needs in your life are met. But sometimes you get a series of new issues that you gotta deal with. Stuff that is coming against you, stuff that you need to begin to overcome. I I wanna tell you, church, I wanna tell you something today that's so important. Favor doesn't mean a life absent of challenges. It means the power to overcome them. And the reason why you need to know that is if you start to engage with the life that God has for you, you'll think you're outside God's favor at the first sign of trouble. The first challenge pops up and you say, this cannot be the way. This isn't the right way to go. When Sarah and I were on holidays in Queensland recently, we decided to trek up this mountain. As we're going up the mountain, we see this path that seems to lead somewhere else, you know? And I said, oh, well, let's start to walk down here. And we got just maybe 10 feet down the path and suddenly branches are just growing across it. And we looked at it and I, I looked at Sarah. I said, I don't think this is actually a path. This, this can't be the right way to go. And we turned around and we went back. I know too many people that are challenged by the branches that grow across their path. And there are things that are in the way that are preventing them from being able to move forwards. And when they see them, they turn and they say, this cannot be God. This can't be God. If this was the way that God was leading me, the path would be clear. It would be like a highway. It would be easy, but that's not where it's at. I need to, I need let me boil this down to you in this one sentence. Just because you have challenges doesn't mean you aren't standing smack bang square in the middle of God's favor. Just because you have challenges in your life right now, it doesn't mean that the favor of God is not on you. It doesn't mean that God has actually left you. And Paul, understanding this and realizing that the Corinthians, they can't understand this. They're saying, with all the stuff that you're going through, Paul, there is no way that favor can be on your life. And yet it is. And so Paul says, guys, 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 This is a favorable time as now. 
behold, the favourable time is now. The favourable time, it means that God will hear you and God will help you. That's what the favourable time means. There's different types of kinds of time that you can have. One is Kronos times, looking at your watch and reading the time, but there's this other kind of time called Kairos time. And Kairos time is a, it's a moment. It's divine opportunity. It's a season. It means due season. It's this Kairos moment. And if you are waiting for the perfect conditions, your perfect Kairos moment, if you're waiting for everything to be perfect and the conditions to be right and the path to be clear, if you've been waiting for that, I want to tell you, you have been yoked to the wrong expectations. See, in biblical times, and I don't know, maybe still today, they would have a yoke. It would join two animals together so that they could plough the field. They would rest it on the shoulders of the oxen and other animals that would plough the field. And what it does is it, is it means that they move at the same speed so that they can plough the field together. Of course, you've got to understand that one can only move as fast as the other. And I feel like what people do sometimes is that we have a picture of what the perfect conditions look like and we become yoked to that condition. We look and we say, the perfect season, I'm yoked to that. And as soon as that thing begins to open up, we're going to start to run. I'm going to start to pursue that business, that ministry call. I'm going to start to go after it as soon as that happens. The only problem is you've yoked yourself to the wrong expectations. But here is what the Bible says. The Bible says that the anointing, it breaks the yoke. The word anointing, it means endowed with divine favour. And here is what I mean by that. When you are endowed with divine favour, you can break free of the, you don't have to have the perfect expectations. Things could look like they're not happening the way that they're supposed to. But when you're anointed and there's favour on your life, you can begin to run. You can begin to move forward. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't even need to look like your path is clear and it's the perfect time because God's favour creates the right conditions. You know what we say to God? We say, create the right conditions and then I'll step out. He says, step out and then I'll create the right conditions. We say, no, 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 you first. Because I want to see that it's okay before I move forwards. But actually what God says, He says, no, 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 you step out first. And you watch the right season to begin to form around your decision because when you walk by faith and not by sight, you start to bring the favour of God and the right season into your world and into your life. Let me give you a couple of practical ways that you can handle it. Because if, if you're here today and you're in a tough season and you're wanting to move forwards, but you're not quite sure what to do or how to handle it, let me give you a few practical ways to deal with it. This is exactly what Paul wrote to the Corinthians. In fact, if we've got that next slide, this is what he writes. By purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. There's a whole heap in there. I'm just going to pick out a couple of points. The first thing he does, and he starts here, he says, begin with purity. 
Begin with purity in terms of your relationship and how you manage yourself and manage your life, what you look at, what you see, what you're involved in. He goes, live a pure life. I want to explain that to you because if you're not living a pure life, I tell you right now, the grace of God will overshadow all of the things that you've done. It it, it absolutely does. But what happens is if you live a life and allow stuff into your world that's not supposed to be there, it puts distance between you and God because you have now entered into the guilt effect. And what guilt does is it keeps you separated from God. You, You will absolutely have a relationship with Him, but you won't be close because you're always thinking, I'm doing the wrong thing, I'm doing the wrong thing. And you can't start to move forwards in your life. He says, you know what? Start to live a pure life. Do the, do the right things by God. Number two, you gotta allow the presence of the Holy Spirit into your world to begin to invade your circumstances. How many times do you face challenges and after putting up a good fight, you go, I can't do this. And then Jesus says, finally, would you let me out your problem? Because I know how to deal with it. You just need to hand it over to me. You need to allow the presence of the Spirit to just come into your life and to begin to deal with the stuff that's outside of your control. And then Paul says this thing lastly, he says, oh, there's weapons for righteousness in your right hand and in your left. If you read what commentators say about that, they say the weapons of righteousness are probably best understood in Ephesians 6 when it talks about the armour of God. And the weapon in our right hand is actually the, sword of the Spirit, if you're new to church, that really just means the Bible. And he says, you need to get hold of the Bible and have this in your right hand. You know, there was a time when even Jesus was led in the, fa- in the favour of God into the desert to be tested by Satan. And when he was in that moment, it says three times, the devil came to him And you know what he did? He quoted Scripture back to the devil. And I kind of thought, well, if Jesus is quoting Scriptures back to the devil, well, maybe I'm not above that. Maybe that's the thing that I need to do too. I've read commentaries on that passage and they say, do you know why Jesus spoke straight out of Deuteronomy? They said they weren't necessarily the best passages to to quote or the best passages to use. Most scholars believe that he was probably just reading Deuteronomy at the time. And because he was reading Deuteronomy on the time, It was in here. And when it's in here and you start to get pressed, it starts to come out of your mouth and you start to speak it and you start to declare it. So you've got to understand there will be times in your life where the enemy will say, turn back, give up, walk away. There is no way you could be in the favour of God. Look at your life right now. Look at the mess that you're in. Look at the calamities, look at the challenges, look at the hardships, God has left you. And at that point you take the sword and you say, but that's not what the Bible says. That's not what His Word declares. He says, God has left you. You said, no, 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 He told me He would never leave me. So I don't believe that for a second. You're out of the favour of God. No, I stand in the favour of God every single day. That's my position by grace through faith in Christ. He says, you hold the sword of the Spirit in one hand with with the other hand, you've got the shield of faith to extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy. Come on. You gotta know that as things come against you, if you start to have the Word in one hand, you start to build your faith in the other, when things come against you, 
they hit that shield of faith and your faith begins to grow and you say, no, I'm not listening to that. And I don't believe what you're saying. I don't think what you're saying about me is true. This is what the Word of God says. This is what it teaches about me. And if you begin to do these things and build your faith and handle the Word of God, you're gonna start to see those things that you're going after, those seeds that God planted in your heart start to come to fruition. You won't get taken out. You just gotta know who you are and what you have. And for the record, if you're here today and you've asked Jesus into your life, you are a child of God and you stand in the favour of God every single day. If you're trying to find favour, it's all around you. It's on you. Maybe you're going through a challenge right now, but it doesn't mean you're out of the favour of God and it doesn't mean that He's left you. I'm telling you, you wear it because He's given it to you. Does that make sense? Awesome, let's stand. We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.